happening? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, uh, welcome to a, another episode here of Business Brews and BS, where we just find uh, local business people or people who are starting organizations, and we love to talk business. We do that over a beer, so you'll hear us discuss the brews. And then sometimes the conversation turns into a little bit of BS, so uh, that's where that comes in <laughs> in the end. So um, our guest today is Amanda Wishin. She is the founder and president of Girls Pint Out, um, which I will uh, let her uh, kind of describe what that is, how that came about. So Amanda, you can jump in there and give us all the background on Girls Pint Out. Sure, I'd be happy to. So, Girls Pine Out is a nonprofit that was founded here in Indianapolis uh, nine years ago. Next year is our 10 year anniversary, which is very exciting. Uh, we are a women's organization for women who like beer, and our mission is to build a community of women who love beer and are part of the larger craft beer community. All right, good deal. So, do you find with uh, finding women? Um, is a much more challenging thing, I'm sure, because if you, if you launched one out for a guy's pine out, um, <laughs> you would probably have a line <laughs> down the street of, of guys lining up to uh, discuss beer and uh, share beer. Um, mm -hmm. You find it, it's a, probably a little cha more challenging with women? Uh, it's, not, it's not finding them. I think it's making them feel comfortable and welcome. That is the issue. Um, you know, it's hard for women, I think, to make friends as adults. I think it's hard for all adults to make friends, actually, but uh, especially for women. And so, you know, taking a step out there and attending an event um, can kind of be a risk. So making them feel comfortable and welcome is harder than finding them. Uh, but I think there's plenty of women who like beer. It's just you don't see them as often because they don't feel as comfortable in certain spaces. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. I guess that makes sense. So so here's an interesting thought, because I, I read up on it and stuff and saw, I mean, 10 years, first of all, congratulations on <laughs> Thank you. being around that long. But I, so when I sell my art, I go to different states and, and, um, and every place I go is a little bit different. You know, even though they're buying art in a metal show, they're a little bit different. And so, do you find that the people in Phoenix or the people in Wisconsin or the people in Tennessee, they're different and your approach to the girls pine out has to be a little bit different based on the you know, demographics of the people? Oh, definitely. So we have chapters in 38 states. We have 122 chapters right now, which is wow. insane. Um, but one of the best parts for me about girls pine out is each chapter head is given the ability to make the chapter what they wanted oh, cool. so they can have any sort of beer event that they think is going to work for their demographic so i'm not someone who likes a lot of like hiking and beer but there are a lot of there are people who but if you're you know, in colorado right, yeah, that probably there's works lots of chapters that do activities like that and you know um our chapter here really likes doing education events some chapters are more into doing craft events yeah. so it really like each chapter is very different based on the demographic of women who attend their events. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome because uh, Tennessee is different mm -hmm. than here. Yes, and for sure. Colorado <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it is, you know, because I remember being years ago down in uh, the Charlotte area 
Um, and I have no idea if, if the concept originated down there or not, but, you know, kind of looking for local breweries to find um, and found one in a bike shop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, where it was kind of a bike and brew. Yeah, and now I've really. seen I've seen multiple yeah. of those now since yeah. then, but that was kind of the first one that I'd ever run across. Wow. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> you know, it's an activity, and yeah. I haven't felt an activity yet that you can't really enjoy a beer with. Yeah. So, beer well, is. And one of the coolest parts, I think, for me is that we've established a network of women across the country. So if I'm going to Charlotte, I'm going to reach out to the Charlotte chapter and say, hey, where are the cool places I want to go? What, where am I grabbing a beer? And I'll probably meet up with them, too, and yeah. get to hang out with them. Yeah. So yeah. it's like creating this friend network across the country and also like giving you all this beer knowledge. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it's fun to see, you know, across, across the U.S., just where different styles of beer are popular mm -hmm. and kind of how they how they make it different you know today i'm drinking um what's it called the uh, uh it's the oatmeal stout um can't see I don't bear know witness bear witness oatmeal stout <laughs> so one of the reasons i did that is because i think an oatmeal stout is kind of common a lot of breweries make an oatmeal stout yeah. and so it's easy it's one of those things to really you can drink and easily judge yeah how good of a brewery mm -hmm. they are yeah. you know and by the way this this oatmeal stout is really good um, and for everybody listening out there we're actually set up right now at black acre brewing um, in irvington uh, which is uh, kind of a suburb of indianapolis um, it is a a conversion i would call it a conversion neighborhood um, where it has went from you know maybe a more blighted part of town and run down to now seeing a real rejuvenation uh, a lot of new places coming in, really changing the, the Irvington area. It's becoming kind of more of a hip place, a more trendy place to raise your family. Um, and it is a great atmosphere in here. It's great decor. Um, and, and the beer I'm having is great. So what, what did you pick their odd one to have? And so I, generally I tend to go towards like uh, lagers, wheats, ambers. And mm -hmm. so I got the, the uh, it's like a raspberry wheat. Rabbit, something mm -hmm. rabbit. I have to get that. I can't even read. Is the it name. killer robots? Yes, yes. <laughs> robots, rabbits. I didn't have my glasses on, so I could. Rabbits, robots, they're all the same. But uh, it's awesome. It's awesome, man. And um, you know, I've been been here a long time ago, but it's totally it looked different here from when I was in here last time. And to to piggyback off what JB said, Irvington is one of the things I love about Irvington when I come here and do art shows and stuff the people who live in Irvington love Irvington like they're all about this place and it's just cool to see that kind of ownership in your town or your community yeah. it's really awesome yeah yeah. Really, really awesome. Yeah. Well, Amanda, you want to you tell us what you're drinking? Sure. I am drinking TV Wolf, which is not on all the time here. Um, and when they do have it on, I drink it. It's an American Pale Ale. Uh, a funny story about it is uh, Indie Star did a blind taste testing for zombie dust. And there were a bunch of beer people, and they didn't tell us what we were drinking. We had to guess which one was zombie dust and rank the beers that mm -hmm. we were drinking. I ranked this one higher than Zombie Dust, wow. which is you know what everyone yeah. is always looking yeah. for in yeah. Indiana. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you're not if you're not from the area listening in, uh, Zombie Dust is a beer made by uh, the Three Floyds Brewing. Very popular, very hard to get. Um, actually, when it's in stock in the liquor stores, the big reds and some of the chains, it's actually typically a one six pack limit per customer. 
Um, why? I have no idea a liquor store would do that because if you sell them, you sell them. Yeah. Who cares who gives you the money for them and how many of them they buy? Um, but the, uh, the zombie dust um, is one of them that typically has a, a restricted sale on it to one six-pack because it's in high demand. And I think this tastes better than zombie dust. So That's awesome. If you can see it, grab it. They also can it. <laughs> Good deal. So I, I want to tell you something about Girls Pint Out, which is very uh, interesting. So as, as an artist, I do a lot of craft shows, a lot of art shows, predominantly in the Midwest, but all over. I venture as far as Pennsylvania, east, and to Nebraska, west, and south. So I would often see, and I also do uh, 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 craft beer festivals mm -hmm. and set up there. Yeah. So I would often see these girls pine out shirts. Mm -hmm. But... I could never find out where it was. <laughs> like I could be in one, I could be in Iowa, uh -huh. in Davenport, Iowa, and someone could have a girls' pine out uh -huh. shirt, and they will say, "Well, I'm from Illinois," and it's, it's like, "Well, where'd you get the shirt?" Well, my boyfriend bought it online. And it, you, so I thought it was almost like a Freemason thing, like a secret society of women. <laughs> I so, like that. <laughs> so it's it's actually it's awesome to meet you because for the better part of three and a half years, I've seen girls' pine out shirts at all my events, and I could never get a definitive where it was from. Hey, I love hearing that, that you get to, you've so seen our brand around. Yeah, so your outreach is great. <laughs> great like your t-shirt is, is, your t-shirt swag is awesome, so it's cool. I, uh, I actually took over running the national organization five years ago, which is when it became a nonprofit, and we did rebranding. And so it was really important to me to make branding that was relevant and attractive for things for that reason, because that's how we grow, is people see that shirt and they say, hey, what is that? Tell me about it. So it's really important. So what, what's your effort in, so I'm a black guy. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so establish that. Um, so this is color for podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, so my thoughts are this, like, in the black community, there isn't an overabundance of outreach craft beer-wise. And so if you go down to the female level, there's probably even less, you know? So I, I've lived in a lot of places, I'm well-traveled, so I love beer. Like, I always have a six-pack of highlights in my refrigerator, and then whatever state I go to, I get craft beers from the state. So what about, like, do you have any thoughts about outreach into communities that you normally wouldn't associate with like craft beer it's just something i always think about just as an mm -hmm. artist expanding markets and stuff it's something that we've been talking about and uh our advisory board has created a diversity effort wow. um because it is definitely an issue um and it's hard for us because we're already a minority and then to reach out further to right. minorities is right. even more difficult but you know i think for me it's really important to have events in all different areas of town, downtown, north side, south side, east side, west side, and make them a variety of different types of events too. So if something doesn't, uh, it doesn't reach you, maybe the next event will. Yeah. So I think creating something and always trying to think about your audience is important. Um, but looking at doing something different all the time. Yeah. Um, one, whenever I plan an event, I always say, what can we do to make this unique? Um, we're not doing a tap takeover, and we're not doing a tour of a brewery. 
if we are, it's got to have some sort of spin to it to yeah. make it special. Yeah. Um, because we want to reach those people who maybe don't usually come to events. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. That, that's yeah. really, really yeah. awesome. So this this is not your full-time job. It is not. It is not. You are a, uh, a lawyer by trade? I am a lawyer by trade. Most people don't know that. I keep that pretty well hidden. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, let's, as with any business and growing a business, um, you know, time becomes mm-hmm. an issue yeah. and allocating your time and how best to prioritize your time. So doing an organization like this on the side, mm-hmm. um, you know, talk to a little bit, some of the challenges that you run into, um, you know, and, and dedicating the time to it, how to grow it, you know, bringing other people in to help. So, right. Um, that is a frustrating thing for me. So I tried to do everything all by myself for a long period of time. Um, and I just came to the point where I realized I couldn't and do it well. Um, so I created an advisory board, but you know we have chapters all over, which means they're all over. So we're meeting by uh, video conference and you know it's not as easy to communicate that way when you're not seeing people in person and a lot of them I haven't met in person even so um, you know trying to delegate can be difficult Um, and I'm someone who likes things done right away as soon as as I know they need to be done and so it can be a little frustrating for me but um, I am lucky enough as a lawyer that I work for the government and I get off it for every day so I do have time that I can dedicate to girls by now which is and my work is very supportive of me doing things like leaving in the middle of the day to drink beer so (laughs) (laughs) well you know it's funny that you you touched on that and delegating and trying to do everything yourself because that's one of the things in the past that me and Audra have talked about is when you're when you're starting a business and you're really trying to build it you know, if you're really dedicated and passionate to it, you become a perfectionist mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And so one of the hardest things is kind of taking your hands off of certain aspects of your of your product or what you're doing, your service, and allowing other people to do that. Um, you know, and, and that, that's really challenging of when to do it because you want to make sure it measures up to your level of standards. But what you realize is you can't be the master of everything yeah. and when you find people that are good in other areas it really makes you so much more efficient to take your hands off of those oh my goodness yes you know <laughs> and and realizing that you know what they may do it as well as you do right um, they may do it better mm-hmm. um, but just the efficiency that you gain a lot of times by taking your hands off of certain things and delegating it out uh, is hard to it's hard to comprehend when you're starting something and building it Mm-hmm. The, of the difference right. it's going to make when you haven't done it before, and yeah. I think a, I think a lot of people starting a business or trying to grow a business struggle with that. Yeah. You know, I know you have with your art, yeah. various things on your art, and taking your hands off of certain things and trying to let other people do it. Is, yeah. It's, it's a challenge. And then the, the other side is that you sometimes, I mean, it's great if you find someone you can rely on that does something great that you can step away from. But what if you give someone something or delegate something and then it doesn't get done or mm-hmm. doesn't get done right? And then you're doubling your efforts because you're going back to do something that you thought was done. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that sucks. 
enormously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, especially when your name is on it literally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're building a shelf for someone and then you give delegate that part to someone and they right. put a glass on it and it falls down and breaks the fine china, it's like, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So, I yeah. just built that myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, are, are, Amanda, are there things that that in your position that um, are, are potentially like a nightmare scenario? Like, have you had situations, you know, oh crap moments, like, oh, that happened or this? And, you know, maybe it's another chapter, but, you know, you're the point person, you know? So I think um, what has been most difficult for me is I'm not everywhere, and we are, and sometimes I get like an email and they're like, this chapter head is doing these things totally wrong and they're offending everyone and they're showing up drunk and I don't know if I believe this person who sends the email. Do I talk to the chapter head and they're like, no, that's not true. Like, it happens a lot between chapter heads. Um, And it's hard to not know these people in person to be able to make these decisions. Um, Because I think a lot of how you settle a difference depends on how well you know a person. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Absolutely. When you don't, you're like, how do I solve this problem that's happening in Omaha right now? Yeah. Like, do I go to Omaha and have a (laughs) sit-down conference with them? I don't know. Like, it's really hard for me to deal with things that have happened in other places right. and I don't know the veracity of the statements yeah. so yeah. it's kind of trying yeah. to be just and, calm and we'll, and just, <laughs> we'll just say Omaha was used as an example so an example. no emails from Omaha yeah, I'm not worried about <laughs> <laughs> but it is because yeah. you know when you don't know when you don't know somebody yeah. um, your, your gut instinct kind of isn't there mm-hmm. you know I mean you've kind of got your first impression stuff but really I, I, trusting a gut instinct mm-hmm. you don't know them well enough to do that because but I, I, th- I managed at FedEx for <clears throat> 13 years and I had 60 employees and we launched airplanes and every day there was a different monster a different problem something went wrong but knowing the person that had a mistake gave you the wherewithal for individual consideration or the heavy hammer, yeah. you know, it's because yeah. the historical trends can tell you a lot if you know the person, but if you don't know them, you know, you're hitting golf balls at yeah. night, you know? Right, yeah. And I, I think the other big problem we've had is women can be catty, and there are other women's peer organizations. Sometimes there's drama with the other beer organizations, and we've received a lot of flack for using the color pink, which is not my favorite color. I, I, it just was the color that came with. It's, you know, girls organization. And we use the word girl. And a lot of women are offended by the word girl. You're kidding me. And I'm like, it's a it's a play on girls night out. It, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not, I'm not trying to make a social statement yeah. here. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and even the fact that our logo has a dress on, you know, and I'm, we're welcoming to all sorts of women. This yeah, is not yeah. supposed to be like, I'm sorry, you have to like think and wear dresses. <laughs> yeah, right. um, that is not our uh, stance by any means. But, you know. Well, our, I mean, our social media and just our, our 24-7 cycle of information and contact, and, and it, it's given a lot of people, I think, 
if you want to find something wrong, you can find something wrong with everything. And I think we're getting to a point in society to where, you know, we need to kind of step back. And if you're getting ready to speak and complain, you need to look in the mirror first and realize, (laughs) are you complaining to complain? Yeah. Or is there a real problem? Yeah. And if if we did that, I think 90% of the time, we'd realize people are complaining to complain. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, you know, because what's, if you don't like it, they just don't join it. <laughs> yeah. right. Nobody's forcing you it's to not, join it. It's this. not compulsory by any means. No. Right. And so if, you, if you're not happy with the pink and you're not happy yeah. with the dress and that offends you, then this isn't the organization right. for you. Yeah. You know, and go else. on about your life. That's you right. don't have to complain about it. But, you know, well, there's a lot of people that... With social media for. now, everyone feels that they have a voice box uh-huh. to say, yeah. yo, I'm pissed off about this. So mm-hmm. there you go. I'm going to let it out. And it's like, come on. Yeah. Come yeah. on. You got to have better things to do than to do that. Right. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So we've talked about some of the the struggles. What are, you know, as you look back on your five years now leading the organization, you know, what would you say are some of your successes that you're really proud of, you know, the the achievements that you've made? So I think for me, what I'm most proud of is the growth in the organization but it's not really just the size, it's the community that's been built. Like I mentioned earlier, we have this network of women that I can talk to in California or Florida or New York, and if I need something, like if I want a beer or whatever, but it's more than that. It's like having a discussion from coast to coast about issues that are affecting women. Women who like beer, women who don't like beer. I mean, it's, um, it's really, awesome sometimes when I'm at an event I see women who have just met that are sitting next to each other laughing and having a good time and I feel like this is the success this is what I wanted um there look at this there's a community of women who are making friends and having a good time and drinking beer and it's everything that I wanted taking over this organization yeah now is there are there any any programs anything within girls pine out um, that are working with you know women in the brewing industry because I, I mean from what I've seen going around to local breweries <laughs> all over when I travel you know um, it, it's a it's I would say it's a very much a male dominated industry yeah so there is a special group called pink boots society for women who are in the beer, or who do work in beer, and we do work pretty closely with them, and a lot of, but a lot of our chapter heads are salespeople, bartenders, brewery owners, head brewers. Um, we have a lot of industry women that do are part of our organization, um, so we do work very closely with the women in the industry, and you know, a lot of our closest contacts, especially here in Indianapolis, are women who own breweries here in Indy. Well, there, there was, me and my wife took a trip to Traverse City, uh, Michigan last year, and <clears throat> there's this rejuvenated area, it was a big in, insane asylum, that they turned into like uh, businesses, breweries, restaurants, and all that. And the brewery, with the head brewer and owner was mm-hmm. a female. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie to you, I looked at her like she was a unicorn. <laughs> I, I seriously did, I, I was like, wait, you, uh, did you say you're the head brewer? Uh-huh. She said, yes, I am. I was like, I told Vicky, I was like, well, we're going to stay here and get drunk. We're going to support this. You we, know? Have, we have a handful of women brewers here in Indianapolis. We are actually very lucky. We have 
we're very well represented. I mean, as far as, you know, generally across yeah. the country, I would say. But, I mean, I am really good friends with a lot of them. That's actually why we're here at Blackacre. One of the uh, women I am friends with is one of the owners here. So, wow, very yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. So, do you have, I used to have, when I was managing at FedEx, my mentor would always say, What's your three, six, nine? Which is three year, six year, nine year plan. <laughs> so, what are your moving forward with Girls Pine Out? Like, what are some things in the stratosphere, the trajectory that, that you look at and mm-hmm. say, this is where I want to take Girls Pine Out? So, uh, next year, as I mentioned, is our 10 year anniversary. So, we're going to have our first uh, national conference for chapter heads here in Indianapolis. So I'm in the process of planning that. Um, cool. It will be fun, but it'll also do some sort of like conferency education type stuff to help our chapter heads become better chapter heads. So that's our short-term goal. Um, one of my always goals is we're in 38 states right now, so 50 states is my long-term yeah. goal. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have any other intermediate goals. That's pretty good. I love yeah. the, the bringing the chapter heads together so you can kind of keep everyone yeah. on the same page, give the information so they're all kind of consistent. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. because there's the, you know, at the beginning of the, the podcast here, you had mentioned that you kind of let the chapter heads kind of run independently, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and really build it mm-hmm. for what works for them. Um, but there still has to be a consistent message. Mm-hmm. You know, Girls Pine Out still yeah. has to be a kind of a consistent organization message-wise, you know, coast to coast over what you want to accomplish. Um, so I, I would imagine that, that part of the, the goal in that is that helps you deliver that now. Mm-hmm. Plus, it, it starts to build, you know, kind of something really to, to draw people in, you know, because you know, I've spent years in an industry where trade shows and the travel and stuff, you know, a lot of people kind of like that, you know, yeah. have an annual convention to go to, yeah. and I can't even imagine what an annual convention based around <laughs> a pint of beer would be like, because that's got to be, it's got to be a good show, you know. <laughs> you have a lot of people sign up as a, you know, be in all 50 states one month before the national convention and back to 38 one month after. <laughs> That's very good, yeah. I I can look forward to it myself. Try to sneak in there. (laughs) You you guys need anyone to take out the cans, move the trash, you know? I think we could have set up a podcast for some some chapter heads or something. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. I love it. I think that's one of my uh, biggest compliments when guys say to me, Can I come to your event? And it's not, it's never because they want to like hang out with a bunch of women, it's always because like, your event you planned is really cool and I'm always like I'm really honored that you would want to come to my event absolutely (laughs) yeah absolutely do you ever I I, I was reading the information Mm -hmm. say every once in a blue moon you kind of let guys kind (laughs) of hang out I love that I love it's like man I got the secret password you know (laughs) know? it's like the clubhouse yeah yeah, the clubhouse now yeah I, I usually mine when they're co-ed. It's funny, usually guys don't show up when I make them co-ed, though. 
I think they're intimidated. I'll bet they are. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet they are. But usually it's like if it's at a bar that's like open and we're in a general open space, I'm like, I can't tell guys not to come in this bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, if we're in like a private area, it's different. But if we're in an open public space, I guess we can let some guys in. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. I love it. I just, I love the, I just love the exclusivity kind of thing. You know yeah, what I mean? I yeah. really do. I think it's really awesome. And I think it, your efforts are, are paying off, but I think the greatest thing is that there's a true need for what you're offering, and that's what's awesome. I mean, well, really thank is. you. Yeah. Well, I think you know, we, we're craft beer has become such a trend yeah. in America that it's almost, I would say, becoming like like wine. Mm-hmm. You know, where it can become if you're not into it. Um, and you haven't really been into it to yeah. understand it, it can become intimidating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine with, you know, with women, because you think of, of beer being such a male-dominated event, yeah. um, you know, that, that it would be intimidating, you know, just like if, if I was going to a wine club, you know, I mean, I like wine, yeah. but to set, you know sniff it and swirl it around and be able to describe the oakiness like, of the wine. It's red. Yes. 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 Yeah. It works. Yeah. It's got alcohol yeah. and it serves the function. What else do yeah. I need to know? Um, but, you know, I think beer is becoming that way. Yeah. And, and it, this gives away, I think, to maybe, maybe you're trying to get rid of kind of the snobbishness around yeah. it. Yeah. That it's not, sitting around and having a glass of beer is not about, you know, who can decipher the best notes yeah. within the beer and describe yeah. it the best. Yeah. It's really about it's the setting and the talking and the companionship and the company and the conversation that goes along with having a, a glass of beer. Yeah. Well, and when I plan an event, I always try to think of, we want people who their friend drug them along and they usually drink cocktails to enjoy it and the person who's the head brewer at a brewery. Like, yeah. All levels of experience should be having fun, enjoying it, and learning something. So, you know, it's always trying to make something that is welcoming to all levels of experience. That's awesome. I think it's tremendous. I really do. And and the fact that you cover such a broad perspective on it as far as drinking beer is what really makes this just yeah. incredible. I love it. I love it. I, I'm not a girl, but I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love beer. And, and, you know, beer is one of those things that you can almost decipher culturally. I've got friends who only drink beer out of a red, blue, or white can, and uh-huh. Budweiser, Miller, or whatever, right. you know. And, um, and their women do the same, but I think they're more open to do something like this. Yeah. You know, my, my buddy Steve, he, you know, can't stand craft beer. But his wife, you know, Shannon would drink craft beer. And yeah. something like this would be yeah. uh, uh, something she'd be drawn to. And I think you can translate beer into whatever you normally drink. So if I meet a woman and she's like, I like to drink uh, chocolate martinis. Yeah. I'm like, hey, have you ever tried this stout before? You know, it's got a lot of the same flavor profile and notes. And, you know, so I think you can, I mean, like sour beers especially can translate pretty well from cocktails and sweeter things and Mm -hmm. sour things. And, um, you know, I think you can find a beer that fits everyone if you try hard enough. Yeah, (laughs) well, and I think that's that's the beauty of, of really the boom in craft beer is... 
you know, so many people, you know, beer is a bit of an acquired taste. You know, everybody remembers being a teenager and you get your first beer and it was typically yes. a, a PBR and Awful. something crappy and horrible, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it was cheap and yeah. somebody gave it to you or somebody's dad had it in a garage <laughs> fridge and you stole one, you know, whatever it was. Um, you know, but there's such a broad spectrum of difference between your, your typical American lagers, you know, that were popular, you yeah. know, when we were young. Yeah compared to now to where, you know, whether you go with an oatmeal stout, to whether you go with raspberry wheats, to whether mm-hmm. you go with IPAs. Yeah. And you may you may not like an IPA. And if that was what you tasted first, yeah. right. you yeah. know, and you were like, oh, too bitter, can't yeah. take it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. Well, then you know what? You might try an oatmeal stout. And it's completely opposite. Right. Yeah. Or you yeah. can try a hazy IPA now and taste like orange juice. So. Oh, <laughs> I love a hazy IPA. Right? Yeah. You guys, uh, I... I would think you remember it, but uh, when I was in um, college in New Jersey, um, there was a black label beer. It was just just generic white beer, can, white can beer, beer. It was like absolutely terrible. It was <laughs> terrible. It was it was like you know, you know, I don't know, two bucks for a six pack or something. I mean, it was terrible. It was terrible. But I, I would drink that stuff in droves, man. I would just drink it up. I tell you, man. In college, it was the uh, on every the liquor store we would get kegs from for our frat parties. I mean, it was you know Natty Ice or Keystone. Oh yeah. You walk in, you look at the big board above, and whichever one was cheaper, that's what you wanted. You know, because it it was not about flavor. It was was not about about, taste. It was about cheap. (laughs) It was what it was about. Milwaukee's Beast. We drink the Beast. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of that's Mickey's. I think it's funny right now, uh, and you see a lot of craft beer people drinking too. Uh, Natty Light was a big college beer for yeah. me, and yeah. now they made a strawberry lemonade one, I, I and everyone it. is drinking it. I haven't tried it yet. I had I it in either. South Carolina. I was stunned. Is it really? good? I was stunned because I, I, I liked it. I was, yeah. It, it was, it was good. I mean, I mean, Natty look at look at me looking around like someone's gonna judge me. Look at the camera. Look at the camera looking at me like it's gonna be on like you know Entertainment Tonight or something, you know, but. It was good. Somebody's coming in to revoke your man card. <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, I'll tell you, the funny thing was, so uh, I was in La Crosse, Wisconsin a couple years ago, and there was a, I believe it was Schlitz had the brewery in, outside of La Crosse or somewhere in La Crosse. Oh. I'm pretty sure it was Schlitz. Um, but anyway, they had reopened and they got bought by, I want to say Miller, um, and they had reopened that brewery or changed it back over. Well, Schlitz had come out with an Oktoberfest that was made there local. And I had ordered it in a local bar there in La Crosse, and it was a great freaking Oktoberfest beer. It was wow. great. And I mean, I was, I was really, you know, kind of surprised because you're thinking, man, this is, this is going to be something cheap and crappy. And it was really actually a pretty good beer. But apparently they've opened this one brewery back up and they're just making these small batch, you know, because the, the craft is taking over. And like yeah. every other business in the world, the big guys notice it. Oh, yeah. So they're trying to now come back and emulate the craft style yeah. and watch yeah. you get in a craft beer. You know, yeah. so that's awesome. I love yeah. it. I yeah. love it. And look, I, I do. I go back to some of the old dirty thirties myself. I'll get down there and get some cheap beer. I do, man. Because I'm, I, you know, when I'm painting or illustrating, I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna drink a ton of like craft beer, but just yeah. give me some, 
Just give me the quick and easies, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Cans that I crush and throw away. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't go wrong with the Miller High Life. Yeah, I mean, it is the champagne, champagne of beers. beers man. Yeah. That's my standby, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that, is, that is the cool beer for craft beer kids. If you're going to drink one of those beers, it's got to be Miller High Life. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now you know. Yeah, yeah. see? Now I'm Let you in on the secret. <laughs> see, you, can, you can drink the Natter Days, Strawberry Lemonade, and <laughs> <Yeah>. Miller High <laughs> Hey, let's let's. Uh, we might have to have Shane edit out that <laughs> strawberry lemonade. <laughs> part. I don't. I don't want someone to show up with a strawberry lemonade sign for me or something. Oh my god. Oh my. My uncle's a judge, and we were in South Carolina, and he came to the bar to hang out with us for a second. And he was. He saw me drinking it, and he was kind of like, "What the hell are you doing?" I was like, "Man, I, I don't know. I just want to try it." You know. <laughs> But it was good. For the, yeah. for the record, it was yeah. good. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, I mean, when you come in, like, let's say somebody walks in off the street here to Blackacre, and you look up at their board, it can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. Because if, you, if you're new to it and you don't understand it, um, you, you don't know what, what's the difference between a light and a malt and dark and hops and, you know, what. And nitros, think, you know, you don't understand right. what those are if you're not used to it. All right, we'll edit that out there. That yeah. um, all of a sudden, uh, little studio issues, headphones went dead right in the middle of nowhere. Um, so we were saying that having an organization like Girls Pine Out to where, you know, women are more apt to ask for directions mm-hmm. and instructions. And so, you know, having that organization that explains things and take them through that, um, I would think would be very, very beneficial. Well. So, and I think uh, if you notice when I ordered my beer, I was like, can I taste that? Can I taste that? Because I'm going to make an informed decision. I'm not, I, I don't feel shy about uh, asking questions and tasting yeah. before making yeah. my yeah. order. Yeah. So. And I think, you know, that's uh, a lot of people, you know, and I think need to understand that, that most, especially craft breweries, there are more, you don't have to buy the flight. Yeah. You know, you can go in and they will give you a little taste of the various beers and you can figure out what you want to order. Now, my great story on that is we were at a, at a place on Mass Ave and um, we we're actually at the Eagle on Mass Ave. Mm-hmm. A guy walks up and he's, you know, discussing of what each of the beers are and all that stuff. And I said, well, you know, they'll give you a taste. And he just looks at me and he goes, I do my taste by the pint. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. Why, uh, why would you okay. taste beer any other way? You taste it by the pint. Yeah. <laughs> really good. I like it. I like it. All right. So, so back to girls' night out here. So, when you're looking at, you're in 38 states now. So, you've got uh, the remaining 12 to go. So, how do you approach um, getting a new state. So I don't approach anyone. <laughs> I wait till someone approaches us. Uh, it's really amazing to me. Our growth has been entirely natural um, on our website and our uh, Facebook page. We have our email address. If you're interested in starting a chapter, there's a form you fill out. Um, I get people sending me requests all the time. Um, and I've created kind of a process, so it's obviously not everyone becomes a chapter just by sending me an email. But, um, you know, we're, all of our chapter heads are volunteers, so, you know, someone has to volunteer. There are times that, however, like one of my best friends from high school lives in Alaska, and I'm like, hey, can you find a woman who wants to start a chapter with me? I really need an Alaska chapter, please. <laughs> so... Sometimes I do kind of recruit, but I don't really. Yeah. 
make so, it apparent. So if, if, if there's a, a, a woman right now in a state that you don't have, yeah. um, and she she's thinking of this would be a cool place, mm-hmm. um, what all is involved? You know, because I, I imagine that <laughs> that's the issue is this is a volunteer thing. Yeah. Most of these people have full-time uh-huh. jobs. They have other yeah. lives. They have children. They have those sort of things. So what all is involved in being a chapter head? So um, it's kind of what you put into it is what you get out of it. So, you know, you have to run the social media, which is a big thing now because that's how you reach everyone. Um, Plus plan events. Um, And then, you know, get as involved in the beer community as you want to be. For us here in Indianapolis, we do a lot of volunteering at other beer festivals. Um, That's how I get people involved in the beer community, uh, by volunteering. So that takes up extra time. Um, But I think planning events and executing good events is the most important part of you know yeah. the responsibilities that you now within a within a chapter um you know to, to i guess be listed as a chapter mm-hmm. of girls pine out um how many members would you would you want them to have on a so basis? we don't have membership which is somewhat controversial um because we want everyone to be welcome at all of our events we don't want to make people feel like they have to uh, be a member to attend if you want to check it out, come check it out. Um, I do, like, here in Indy, I always, when people ask me that question, I'm like, well, I've got a newsletter that goes out to 1,200 women. So is that my membership? No, not really. But, I mean, that's my captive audience. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, and this is something that a lot of chapters struggle with, is when they're starting, maybe they have two people show up to an event. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a failure to me. Yeah. yeah. Like you had someone show up and you talked to them and you yeah. drank a beer with them and they'll if they had a good time, they're gonna come back next time and they might bring a friend or two. Like this is how you grow a chapter. It's not automatic, it's not overnight. Sometimes it takes a while. Yeah. Yeah, and I you know, from it being whether it's a it's a business, whether it's a chapter of girls pine out, um, you know, growing something and, and starting it small, yeah. it, it becomes it, it can become challenging, mm-hmm. you know, because people get, you set expectations for yourself. Yeah. And I think one of the things um, that challenges every entrepreneur is when you set an expectation and the expectation is not met, how do you overcome that and just keep on pushing through and not let that defeat you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a challenge across the board, no matter what your business is. Yep. When you're starting something, being able to overcome when your expectations are not met. I think it takes a lot of patience um, and the the willingness to figure out maybe what you can do next time to change that result. Yeah. Well, and I th- I think it's tough because you wouldn't be doing it if you didn't care about it, mm-hmm. and. You, you have to set expectations in order to push your your idea or your product forward. And so when you don't meet those expectations, the problem solving begins. And it's, it's sometimes it's very difficult yeah. And, yeah. and humbling and humiliating and all that. So yeah. um, do you have a, a kind of a, I don't know, a, a how to set up your first event or a, 
<laughs> this, you know, in your area? Yeah. Um, so we started, this is a very, this is a new approach we've started this year. Um, our advisory board members have been doing videos on our Facebook admin group, and they're saved, so you can go back and watch the video like on different topics. So that's how we've started our kind of education process cool. for new chapter heads and chapter heads that have been doing it for a long time. Mm. Um, and we do some uh, live Facebook things so that you know our admins can ask an advisory board member, you know, how have you dealt with this problem or how would you do this in the future? Um, we try to be as supportive as possible, but you know, it can be really difficult when you're spread across the entire country. Yeah, sure. Have you have you found? Uh, so I'm I'm not the most um, social media inclined person. I'm just kind of getting into it a lot more. <laughs> but over these years, have you seen a huge uptick in how people communicate solely? through social media like there are people that send me messages I don't even get emails I get Facebook <laughs> posts or Instagram posts now like that's almost the full conversation is through social media I think it's absolutely necessary to have a strong social media presence if you want to grow your chapter yeah. Um, yeah. because that's how people communicate now yeah it, they, it really isn't that's how they find out about what's going on yeah I mean I post things on Yelp and Do 317 and IndieHub and, you know, send it to Nuvo and all of these things. But people find out about it because they saw it on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Like, yeah. those are the ways that you reach people now. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's, it's kind of like if you don't, if you don't adapt, which is part of being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. or starting a business, your ability to adapt to what's going on, if you don't adapt to that landscape, you kind of get left behind. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, that's, and that's one of the things that, that, you know, me and you have discussed many times over, you know, the last three years of building and growing our businesses is just finding your niche. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah, I think anywhere is that, is that same way. Girls Pine Out, I'm sure is the same way. You've got to find, you know, just knowing that there's a lot of women out there that drink beer mm -hmm. is, is really a, a baby step you yeah. know and to really be successful you've got to find your niche on finding the women that want to be part of the organization that it really fits that you know enjoy the craft beer experience that enjoy the tasting that enjoy the whole the conversation the community and everything that comes around craft beer um you know and, and finding that niche is it's you know it's it's a challenge um but on the on the flip side, you know the niche is there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think being unique is essential. You have to find some way to be unique. Yeah. And you know, every time I sit down with a brewery, I say, "Tell me what you think your identity is, or something about you that's unique you want to highlight." And we'll work around that to plan an event. So, like for example triton is really about water maybe name kind of makes sense i guess um oh yeah i never thought about that <laughs> <laughs> i never thought about that yeah. so when we did an event with them we talked a lot about water quality and what they do to make their water special for their beer huh. so i mean that's weird but 
you know, like, but that's, that's what yeah. makes them unique, yeah. and then that's yeah. what's going to make your event unique, too. Yeah. Well, someone um, told me, it's in the art world, but Nancy Noel had a quote which about art <clears throat> saying, you either need to be the first at something to be successful, you need to be the best at something to be successful, or you need to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're doing, like if you yeah. can't answer yes to one of those, yep. you're going to struggle beyond your capacity to overcome it. That's a and, great quote. Yeah. And and I, I have found that to be 100% true. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it really is. Someone cannot be really talented necessarily, but do something really different yeah. and be really successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I mean, I think back to my years in, you know, Nashville and, you know, trying to be you know making country music that there was there's always the phrase that somebody has a commercial voice yeah and meaning that you know their voice is distinctive it's different it's recognizable it's not plain you're going to hear a song on the radio you're going to instantly know the voice you're going to recognize them and there's a million good singers right you know but the group that has very distinctive unique commercial voices are few yeah and I think if a brewery is really good, you can taste their beer and you will know it's their beer. It doesn't really, yeah. it, you yeah. don't even, even have to know that. Yeah. yeah. Like it doesn't have to be the style. It can be like, yeah. for example, Three Floyd's beers all have a very particular taste yeah. to them. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and we've talked to that, you know, we've been, you know, over the years to a couple places and you said you drink their beers and you taste. And you're like, you know, there was really nothing. They had good beers, yeah. but there was nothing special. Yeah. They didn't have a beer that, you know, hey, this is really the best of this that I've had. Yeah. Um, they were just good beers, Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, and um, those breweries don't grow, yeah. you know. But when you find like a Black Acre, you find some of the others and you're like, wow, they, they've got really good beer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really good beer. Not that they'd ever produce a bad one, but... Right. And I think here in Indy, I mean, obviously, craft beer is big everywhere. But, you know, even over the past, like, five years, you've seen prominent breweries kind of go under that <laughs> were making decent beer. Yeah. It's not like the beer was terrible, but yeah. it's so competitive. It's so competitive now. Like, you, you need to be, you have to be discernible. And, you know, people need to be able to pick you out. And, and you've got to have a good product and good service. Like, it's so multi-tiered. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot. It is. It is. It's a, it's a whole lot. So with, with Girls Pine Out, go ahead and if there's a, a listener out there somewhere that thinks they want to start a chapter or they just want to learn more about what Girls sure. Pine Out, they want to find a chapter in their sure. area, yeah. um, go ahead and give the details on All that. Right. If you'd like to find out more information about Girls Pine Out, our website is girlspintout.org. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash girlspintout. And you can always email me directly at amanda at girlspintout.org. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, Amanda, it has been absolutely great having you on. We have enjoyed the conversation. And um, we're really excited to see where Girls Pint Out goes. We think it's absolutely (laughs) great. Um, More women in craft beer. Um, is better because it's uh, nothing worse than going into a, a nice bar and it just being a bunch of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ain't that the truth, brother? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? It's, it's all right in mine. It's okay for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess it's perspective, right? That's it's it. It's all a matter of what side of the fence you're on. So. 
Um, uh, well, I, I want to say one thing real quick. This, this is the first first time doing this, but uh, I want to give a gift to uh, you know you taking your time out to be with this stuff. So uh, since you're the first one, you get to choose from oh. uh, either a drink local, Indiana. Oh, nice. Who's your highlight? My personal <laughs> favorite. That's my personal favorite. But don't don't go don't let that sway you. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're so adorable. And then uh, tap in the which is Lady Victory, the Salesforce Building, uh, America Building, and then uh, Dancing Ant. So you choose oh, one. This is a gift sweet. from me well, and JB from uh, Business Bruce and BS. Decision. Thank you guys. <laughs>